You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie O'Day. What if I told you that you could truly have the life of your dreams, the life you've always wanted, one filled with abundance, joy, and a sense of purpose? It's absolutely possible, and I see it each and every day with my coaching clients. It all starts with learning how to slow down. You deserve to live the life you've always dreamt about. Let's get started. Hi there, Slow Down Society. Steph here, and we are on episode number 124 of the Slow Living Podcast. And today, I am welcoming Liz Elting to the studio. And I say studio, but really, we're recording in Zoom. And I'm in California, and Liz is on the East Coast in New York. Is that right, Liz? That's right. That is right. So, and and Liz, it's really interesting. Uh, Before we hit record, I told her that I jumped immediately at the bit because her publicist emailed me and asked if I wanted um, to interview her. And her publicist's name is the name of one of my daughters. And so no matter what, it it doesn't matter what it is, I'm going to click on the name. Liz is an entrepreneur, philanthropist, and Forbes' richest self-made woman. And today she shares her story on how she co-founded and grew TransPerfect, the billion-dollar translation and language solutions company that she started by herself in in a dream. She dreamt about it in an NYU dorm room. So Liz, Liz is the best-selling author of Dream Big and Win. So Liz, how did this all start? How did you create this from a dream? I'm sorry. How did I conceive it from a dream? Is that way? Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I, I apologize. Yes. No, no, no. Yeah. So I mean, that's okay. that's the dream life, right? You dream it and then you've sort of manifested it into reality. Yes. So so how did that come about? So in a nutshell, I I studied languages, four languages by the time I had graduated from high school, realized realized that languages were my passion. I I had the opportunity to live in a few countries, to live, study, and work in a few countries before I was 21, by the time I was 21. Wow. Yeah. And that was all uh, in elementary school, then high school, then in college and right after college. Mm. So I was 21 years old. I had just finished an internship in Venezuela. Okay. But then I moved to New York. And in New York City, where I am today, it's where I live. I've lived here for 37 years. Um, I got a job at another translation company, which at the time was a big deal. This was in the late 1980s. And I was able to combine my love for languages and my interest in being in business. So I did this for three years. Absolutely loved the industry, loved the culture of the company and loved everything we were doing. But in my head, I thought this could be done better. So went back to school, got my MBA from NYU Mm -hmm. and graduated in 1992. And then very briefly, um, I mean, I could tell you what happened, but I got a job in finance and I can elaborate on that if if you would like to hear more about it. But basically what ended up happening, and I'll just mention this because I think a lot of women can relate to this. Um, and I know a lot of you know our, our listeners today are women, yeah. but um, I got this MBA in finance and international business, 1992. And 
back then from NYU Business School, that was the thing to do. So I got a job doing equity arbitrage for the proprietary trading division of a French bank. And I walked in all excited to use my MBA degree. And I saw that I was the only woman. Mm. And I thought, okay, I can deal with this. I'm used to being around men. I, I love men. I've always been a little boy crazy. Not a problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I quickly uh, saw an issue. Whenever the phone rang, the guys would yell, Liz, phone, because mm. I was a woman. And there were other men in my um, position too, who had just gotten their MBAs, who were just starting. But I was the woman. So I was the one who did what they needed, whether it was getting the phone, whether it was getting coffee, whether it was figuring out what supplies we needed. I learned this very quickly, that this environment was not for me. But even bigger than that, I realized the type of work and the industry was not for me. And I think this is the important point here. I had loved the language industry. I had mm -hmm. loved learning languages, speaking languages, meeting people from other cultures, helping the world communicate. And then here I was at this, uh, propri this the proprietary division of a French bank. And I thought, I don't like what we're doing. I'm putting numbers into a spreadsheet. I'm filling out forms. Uh, back then we were faxing forms. I mean, today yeah. we're emailing, but it was paper pushing. It was very dry. It was not where my heart was. So after only six weeks, I left that job and I thought, I'm going to pursue my dream. I know it sounds crazy. I have my MBA. You know, I should be using it. But I loved the translation industry. And during my time there, I thought it's a great industry, but we can do this better. We can do this differently and better. Mm -hmm. And that was what led me to start TransPerfect out of an NYU business school dorm room. And it was a dream. It was a risk. I will tell you, people were thinking I was crazy at the time. This was 1992. Yeah. It was before Google. It was before yeah. Facebook. Nobody was doing this type of thing. It was not the thing to do. People wanted jobs at places like American Express and Goldman Sachs and the big name, Citibank. Mm -hmm. Anyway, did it. And my business school uh, peers, friends thought I was crazy. I think my, my family thought I was crazy. They thought, well, you'll have fun, but you're not going to really make much money. Will you be able to pay your bills? But I took the risk and do it anyway and did it anyway. And I just recommend that's what people do with their lives. Don't feel like you do what you should do. And I know, you know, a lot of people have done that with their careers, right? You do, you study what you should study or, and you get a job that you think you should get. Mm -hmm. It's practical. It'll pay the bills. But if you're miserable, go do something else, live your dream. And that's what I ended up pursuing. And it was because I found myself in a bad situation, but thank goodness I did. And if you do, or whether you're just bored or yeah. you're something's missing. I think it's so important to just take the risk and do it. I think it's a risk not to do it. So, so it's interesting. What I like hearing you share is you had this idea, this kind of inkling and, and like nudge from your intuition. Like, first off, um, don't want to be surrounded by sexism. And, and I have other skills except for answering the phone and sending faxes. Um, which is tricky because I would imagine at that time you're sort of told like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to stay in the box and 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 do the things that I've been told and and I'm following this prescription of uh, 
go to school, get good grades, get in a good college, get this degree, um, and then do what I'm told. And you had this kind of rebellious side to you. You're like, uh, no, <laughs> you, you can't. No, I, I, I'm refusing right now to allow you to dictate to me what box I'm supposed to fit in. And I'm just going to create my own box. Um, and and that's revolutionary. That that was I'm I'm so thrilled for you. And then my my favorite part is when you said um that it was a financial risk. Yet your financial risk most deaf took off to to the point where you, your your company is valued as a as a billion dollar company. Um and and so I mean that's amazing and and wonderful and you're normal. So so also that that's the other part that kind of uh, is so fun for me. And it reminds me of like, is it people magazine or okay magazine when they're like celebrities, just like us. And now it's like Liz, a billionaire, but just like us, like, like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> oh, I'm so just like us. And you know, in my book, I, I, I tell stories about the things I went through that I think, um, <laughs> a lot of us can relate to, I mean, drama, you know, being upset or when I was a kid in high school, you know, bad things that happened to me, how I was treated and, you know, the things that we all, or, or many of us go through in, in elementary school and middle school and high school and uh, so normal. And I feel like I love sharing my story because I feel like if I can do it, anyone can, because I had, you know, all the issues, all the insecurities, all the reasons not to, but I think y'all, you have to follow your heart. And it felt wrong at that other company. And I knew the language industry was my home or it was where my passion was. And so that's why, yes, I had to do it. And that's why I think everybody needs to follow their dream. And uh, you can do it when you're in your twenties, mm -hmm. you can do it once you've had kids, gotten married, had kids. Yeah your thirties and your forties, or you can do it when you're an empty nester in your fifties, sixties. Yeah. I mean, she is the new 30. It's never too late. So no, abso absolutely. I love that quote from Wayne Dyer. And he says, uh, you just don't want to leave with the music still in you. And, and I absolutely agree that it doesn't matter your age and stage. If that dream is still in there, poke at it and, and wake it up and, and breathe some life into it. It might not be exactly how you imagined in your in your early 20s or 30s it might have a different incarnation but it doesn't mean that it's dead never to rise again so um i absolutely agree with you when it comes right down to it we all just want to climb into bed each night feeling calm, content, and at peace. We want to know that we were able to keep all the balls in the air and were productive without neglecting our own needs and wants. I know, I get it. That is why I recorded a free masterclass on the 10 things happy, successful people do each and every day, and I'd love for you to join us. Learn simple and practical tips to reclaim the sanity and joy in your home and family at stephanieoday.com forward slash masterclass. I wanted to, to ask, 
you're, I know you talk a lot about soft skills and in communication. Do you think in general, women have a, a little bit more soft skills and can kind of read a room and, and follow their gut and their intuition more so than others? I do. Yes, I do. And I think that gives us a huge advantage. And I love that about women. And that's what makes it so much fun working with women. And now what I'm, what I've been doing the last few years since I sold my half of my company back in 2018, but I, that women definitely have those soft skills. I think it's the, the, meeting people, connecting with people, being curious about people, asking lots of questions and connecting on a deeper level with people and genuinely wanting to, you know, women have a reputation for talking too much, talking so much. And that's what <laughs> I know. My, my whole life is Steffi, <laughs> Steffi, be quiet. Steffi, stop. So, so I get that, but it's interesting. So I've, I've, I live in the Silicon Valley area. And I've had my own business since 2008. And throughout the years, the interactions, and this is going to sound very stereotypical sexist, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, because it happens to be my own personal experience, is the men that I've interacted with in the online space is all, how can I help them? <laughs> Versus yes. the women are are connectors and, and trying, oh, I know somebody who who does that for social media. Let me connect you. And and that has been my own experience. And and that's why in in general, I now am a little distrusty when it when it comes to especially men in business. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The biggest surprise I've had about you know, writing my, since I wrote my book, I basically what happened is I wrote my book in 2022. In 2023, I launched it. I was out there speaking to people, meeting people. And when, when you write a book, of course, you end up asking for a lot of favors. Can you do this for me? Can you write this blurb? Can you write this review? Can you do this? What I've noticed that has been the most shocking is when I've met people, or even when I haven't met them, the women that have helped me, I mean, I'm finding women are helping me who I've never met. They'll read my book, for example, and I, I know this happens to lots of authors, and they'll get in touch with me, and they'll post it on LinkedIn, and they'll write a review, and they'll do it not because they know me, but because they're great people. They're helping out, and or the ones that will set up events for me. And I haven't even asked them to, I mean, and of course I'm thinking of this with respect to me because the biggest surprise is these are women who haven't asked for anything back. They haven't wanted anything back. They just are good people. They want to share, they want to connect. And the number of women, of women who have helped me just on, where, when I haven't even asked them out of the goodness of their heart, it's been amazing. And I just feel so fortunate to have met them. And, you know, I'm grateful and I'm learning from them. And of course, you know, that makes us all want to make sure we're doing the same thing, right? But you're yeah. right. I have noticed a difference between women and men. And yes, and I think that's why women together, you know, in the past have done things to change the world and will continue to do so for for that reason, yeah. for that I, I think so. And and I'm raising three. I have three daughters of my own. And my hope is that 
first of all, they have enough um, self-awareness and self-confidence that they can do whatever it is that they set out to do and don't necessarily need help along the way to 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 feel fulfilled. But the the idea that it's not a winner takes all like, like mentality and I, and I think sometimes people get stuck in this competitive and in the the psych term is zero sum thinking where if someone is winning, that means I'm losing. And no, <laughs> there, that's what's fun about living where we live is everyone can have their own little corner of, of the slice of pie. And, and what you're doing isn't taking away from me and, and, and your fans and your readers and your social media readers aren't taking away from me. And again, I'm talking about the online space or, or, or author authorship in general. Um, and, and it's just so exciting that as soon as I started looking you up and, and reading your your Wikipedia pages and, and the different articles on Forbes, I'm like, this is phenomenal. Like, like you have done so much and have created so much and it's not taking away from, from anyone else. It, it, it's connecting and it's uplifting. And um, I'm just so thrilled to have met you. I really am. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to have met you, Stephanie, because yes, that's what I've learned. These women who are out there who are uplifting other women, who are connecting other women. And there are, there are a lot of them. There are I, women I didn't know that I'm, I'm being immersed into that world and I love it. And you're right. It's not, if you win, I lose. It's, it's more of a one plus one is three situation. It, women help each other and their exponential effects. And I love that. And this is the fun part, you know, and I think for young people, for your daughters, uh, for all those young women out there, they, they might not realize that, right. Uh, that helping one another will help will ultimately help them, but that's not why you do it. It's great. It's not transactional. transactional. None of us wants to feel like that's why we're, meeting people and making friends. And we all know our, our, you know, we, we never went in with our deepest friendships with that intention, but then we help one another and it, it's so gratifying and it's the fun part of all of it. But the other big piece of it related to what we're talking about is what I've learned. And I think it's two things. One is I've learned that the soft skills and connections are the most important part. And then I also think in this day and age, they've become even more important. And this is what I tell my kids. I have two boys, but I say to them, I know it feels weird to just keep being out there, keep meeting people, keep making friends. And, but connections are very important and sure they are for business, but they also for life are for life. We know now, we all know that the way you live a long, happy life, Mm. it's lots of connections, lots of relationships, lots of friendships. And so it pays off both for business and for your, to live a long, healthy, happy life. So that's so, what- So how do we do that now with this younger generation where where kids aren't even having play dates? Instead, they're, they're oh. sitting on their phone and, and texting. How, how does this younger generation of parents recreate the, the connection and the social awareness that you talk about? Yeah, and I think the answer is exactly what you're saying. They, the parents do need to 
when the they, when the kids are still under their control as far as their social life, make those play dates happen. You know, four or five, whatever the number is, play dates a week. I think it's so important, and I think we all worked hard on that when our kids were young. And then, of course, when they become older, it becomes harder. And all we can do is model it, do it ourselves so our kids see it, and then recommend to our kids that they do it. Um, but yeah, I think it's just creating those in-person events, whether it's play dates, whether it's uh, book groups. Well, I mean, it, it depends on the age, but just letting our kids know and modeling it you know, letting our kids know how important it is and modeling it. And then, you know, I think as I look at the workforce and these kids who are getting out of college and, you know, I was just listening to the news and how even though we thought these companies were going to encourage or force their employees to come in five days a week, it isn't so much that day, that way. And that actually concerns me. I want people when they're young to go into work for the social aspect for the happiness aspect. So, I mean, that, so the answer is, I think we need to encourage our kids to do things in person, to, to work in at an in-person job, if they can, to do as many things in person where they're looking face to face with someone as possible. Because the other thing is just in the business world with AI, AI is replacing knowledge uh, we can find anything online, chat. GPT can tell us pretty much anything. Um, Google can tell us pretty much anything. So it's about the soft skills. So we need to keep working on them. Our kids do. And that ultimately will make us the most happy anyway. So it's both helpful and will make us the most happy. But I think we just have to have our, you know, let every, create those opportunities for ourselves and our kids. Yeah. So if someone thinks that um like like their dream job is working from home and and working from their pajamas and and not having to get out of the house and and they're still um making money and and again because I'm in the Silicon Valley area uh, there's quite a few kind of Gen Z kids who walk around in pajama pants and slippers and and headphones on and and they think or 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 they idealize that that work from home experience that that we all had during the pandemic when when we were forced um and they're starting their their life that way they're they're 22 25 years old and and they want to to be home all day if if that's your child or or, or your student how would you help kind of remold that because i mean we all know um teens and young 20s know everything. So so <laughs> so so as a parent how do you carefully um suggest hey, you know, actually getting out of the house and and showering regularly is a great idea. <laughs> yeah. And I think yes, if they right, if they have the idea that they'd rather be doing that, I think it's just a case of telling them first of all, for you to be successful, you may think being in front of your screen by yourself in your pajamas is the way to do it. But it isn't, I mean, it's not the way to be most successful. When you're young, you need to be with other people. You need to learn from other people, uh, the, your, the people who you report to. You need to talk to them, ask them questions, listen, learn. You need to be around them. You also need to bounce ideas off your peers. I mean, you need to for your uh, 
you're learning, and then to be promoted. The people who are going to be promoted are much more likely to be people that are in the office that people know. I mean, so just, you know, for success in business. I mean, yeah. I think you learn more, you're more likely to get promoted, and it's coming down to the soft skills. Not that it didn't before, because I think it always did in business. The people who were out there, the people who knew the people in charge of making the decisions were the ones to get promoted. But now, I mean, if you have a choice of being at home or being in the office or being, you know, at a meeting outside with the people from your company and the clients, of course, you know, the latter is where you should be. And of course, it will make you happier. And that's the other yeah. reason. And I mean, it's just what I tell my kids. And I think my kids and one just graduated from college, the other is a junior in college. And I think they do realize that they'd be better off within person jobs and that's what they want and they need to look for those. And if a, if a company and employer is giving you the choice, take, take the opportunity to be in that office for all the reasons we're saying. Yeah. It's interesting because I think it also helps to reframe your definition of success and what success looks like. I think in school, you're sort of taught that if you follow this exact certain path, this is how you'll get the A and then this is how you'll do this and this is how you'll do that. But in real life, there's all of this other stuff that happens. I mean, to be successful, um, maybe you want to have a relationship. Maybe you you want to, to have a healthy body and a healthy mind and all of these things. And, and if you're sacrificing one area of your life or the other, because you're you're chasing maybe only monetary success, that's not the marker of a life well lived. And and since I I write and coach and teach and speak about all things slow, and my definition of slow is the acronym of simply look only within. Because when you're slow and you take the time to ask yourself these good questions, like is this really what I want? Is this what I what I really want? For you, your answer came back as nope. It's not what I want. It's not what I want. So I'm going to go out there and create what I want. But yes, but Stephanie, I could not agree more with what you just said, because if if you're going to an office, yes, it gets you out of your home. I mean, in, in some people's case, they may walk to work. I I was able to walk three miles to and from work. I mean, I, three miles to work and then three miles home if I had time. But the point is, in a place like New York, mm -hmm. we, we definitely do that. Or But in many places. So it gets you out with the exercise or it, when, if you're going to work anyway, maybe you go to the gym after or before. So from that standpoint, it's valuable. But also I loved what you said about relationships because at, at our company and, and certainly at many companies, I mean, that's how people meet. We had many relationships. We had many marriages that came from our company, from people mm. who were, who met at our company, who, if those people had been at home in front of their computer, they wouldn't yeah. have met their life partner. They wouldn't have met their husband, their wife. So it's valuable from that standpoint. And then just to have a social life. And that's why, you know, we want it. And you burn out if all you do is sit at home yeah. looking at that screen. You don't stop and get outside and mm -hmm. look at other faces and talk to, you know, people. So it's just so it's much better for a well-balanced happy life, which is what we're yeah. all shooting for. And, no, and ab absolutely. And and as far as I'm concerned, that is the definition of, of living 
of, of slow living and, and living the life that you've created on purpose. And I love that um, you're in Manhattan and, and you're walking to work and, and you talk about being outside and, and doing things on purpose because you're not sacrificing your brain and your body in order to, to chase maybe a, a certain financial number. And, and I, I, my hat is off to you. I think this is phenomenal. I think your book is so helpful and useful because it's the idea that, that if you can dream it and then go for it in, in a sustainable way, in a way that you're not sacrificing your, yourself, your sanity, your family, um, that's really the epitome of the American dream. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will tell you, I did it. I started and ran my company for a long time, but the final five or so years were very tough. And the reason I bring that up is after a period of time, there were a number of different things that happened within my company. And I won't get into the details because nobody needs to hear about them. And, you know, that's another conversation. But the point was this, I realized, wait a minute, this was my dream company. We created it along with you, with the amazing, the thousands of amazing employees who were a part of doing that. But it got to a point where it was no longer my dream. Mm. And there, I didn't have the control I wanted. And it, I was not able to do things that were consistent with my values and my happiness. So I realized I have to make a change. Yeah. It's not about more money, more money, more money. No. You get to a point, I mean, the whole way I knew you get to a threshold level, as long as you can pay your bills and do what you need to in life, it's about many other things. Uh, like having, you know, ideally, if your goal is to have a family, having a family, and certainly mine was. But then even once I had that family, when things weren't going from a values and happiness standpoint for me at my company, I had to change it up again. It wasn't about more money. It was about following my heart, following my instincts and mm -hmm. following that dream. So then I ended up selling and starting my foundation. And that's what I do now. I I have a foundation to help support and empower women and people from marginalized communities. But the point is, yes, always keeping in mind, you know, what are your values? What's your dream? What do you really want? And then creating a career that's that's a part of that mm -hmm. um that's that's obviously what we're talking about yeah no i love that because that's that's a full-fledged human that's not having your your job or your business be your only identifying marker and and that's important because work comes and goes and and jobs come and go but who you are as as a core human my my hope is that you're on this planet for a really long time and there's lots of of different parts and aspects of you and 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 just incorporating who you are into your job which is just where you go to make money it's not necessarily your your entire identity absolutely absolutely and i think a lot of us when we're in the rat race we get kind of obsessed with it and addicted to it and i think you, you can do that for a period of time, but always keeping in mind, okay, but what are my other goals? Because I'm not going to let my whole life pass or that critical time in my life pass without making sure I pursue and ideally fulfill my other goals. So absolutely, because then 
when you think about what you want your legacy to be, it's a mm. lot than just your career. And, you know, we've talked about that and, and that's what makes a full person and a happy life. So absolutely. Very cool. Liz, thank you for spending so much time with us. This was so many juicy nuggets of wisdom and I'm so thrilled to have met you and thank you for coming on to the Slow Living Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Stephanie. And thanks for having such a wonderful podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You take care. Thanks so much, Slow Down Society. I will be back next week with another episode. Consider yourself loved and hugged. I think you are wonderful. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials, and I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living lifestyle and messaging. Thank you, Slow Down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.